Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation in chapter number 20. The book of Revelation and chapter number 20. We are finishing up our series of the Millennial Kingdom, the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. And the Bible takes more passages dedicated to the Millennial Kingdom than any other subject in the Word of God except for the tabernacle and temple. And the Bible describes quite a bit about what it's going to be like when Jesus Christ, who is God, who rules and reigns physically, literally, and bodily on this earth for 1,000 years. And we've taken time to explain the environment, the government, the people, uh, the prisoner. We've explained all of this. And now we reach to the conclusion of the Millennial Kingdom. That immediately after the Millennial Kingdom is another major event that the Bible puts emphasis on. And we find this Bible event found in the book of Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And if you don't mind, let's pick it up starting at verse number 11. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11, the word of God says this. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the ju dead were judged out of those books were, which were written, those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Revelation chapter 20? Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11, notice the phrase, great white throne. Great white throne. And with the Lord's help, I like to preach on this subject, the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a great God. And thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. Thank you for the privilege that you've given us your Bible, your word, to tell us what is going to happen in the future. That we may prepare for it, we could plan for it, and we can know how to tell others about it. We're asking that you would just give us wisdom and discernment. Maybe there's someone in here that is not for sure 
that their sins are forgiven. Lord, let this be the day that they get that settled. Maybe we have someone who we know that they're not saved. Their sins are not forgiven. We're asking that you would give us the courage and bravery and the urgency that is necessary to tell those people that they can have their sins forgiven and they can avoid that awful place called hell. Lord, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we explore this event that happens at the end of time, we come to the white throne judgment. And the first thing I'd like to explain to you from the scripture here is that the dead standing before God. The dead standing before God. In verse number 11, we find ourselves at the end of the millennial kingdom. And as a preparation, God is now judging all of those who died before who have never accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. Notice with me in verse 11. Revelation chapter 20 in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. We start off with this great white throne. This is God's judgment seat. This is God that is sitting on the throne. And all of the earth is bowing down. All the earth is reverent. All the earth has fled away from this, from this God sitting on the throne because of the judgment that it has. Verse 11, or verse 12. And I saw the dead. So these are the people that have passed on before this point of the millennial kingdom. These are the people that have never accepted Jesus as their savior. In the context, these are the people who were not a part of the first resurrection. Meaning that they have never accepted Jesus as their personal savior. They were not risen up during the millennial kingdom. They have never accepted Jesus as their savior. And they've been in a holdings chamber called hell for a thousand years at least. And now at the end of time, they are brought up. And it says, I saw the dead. Notice when it says the phrase, both small and great. You can infer to the idea here that whether they are small sinners or great sinners, they are here. This isn't a judgment seat for just the evilest people who ever lived. This is a judgment seat for small sinners. Sweet old Grandma Dorothy, who never did anything wrong, who made the best pancakes in all the world. But she never accepted Jesus as her savior. You understand the qualification in order not to go to heaven is this. You must be a sinner. The Bible is very clear that it says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are none that is righteous. No not one. What we have to say what does it mean to be a sinner? Well God has put up his rules of holiness in something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments most people are familiar with. One of the Ten Commandments, it says, Thou shall not bear false witness. We would say it this way, don't tell lies. Well, if you ever told a lie, raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Because we've all told lies. There's none righteous, no, not one. You understand, because you broke God's law, you are considered a sinner. You have sinned, you are a sinner. The Bible goes on to say that we should... Honor thy father and thy mother. We would say it this way, to, to obey your folks. If you've ever disobeyed your folks, raise your hand. Parents are making sure their kids are raising their hand now. Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all broken God's law. Because we have broken God's law, we are considered a sinner. You understand that, the only, that when God created heaven... His desire is for every human to be there with him. 
But because we are sinners, we don't deserve to go to that wonderful place called heaven. Heaven is a perfect place, but because we sin, we are no longer perfect. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That in order to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. But because of our sin, we are no longer perfect. That's an awful thing to hear. That we, because of our sin, don't deserve to go to heaven. Well, you know that God didn't want to see a single person go to that awful place called hell. So what God did is he provided a way out. That God robed himself in flesh as the Lord Jesus Christ and came down on this earth and lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. Then he died to pay the price that we owed God. You said, what price do I owe? Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The word sin is when we broke God's law. The Bible says for the wages of sin, the word wage is something we earn. For example, when you go to work, you earn money. We call that a wage or a payment. Because I work, this is what I get as a reward. The Bible says because you sinned, here is your wage. For the wages of sin is death. The word death literally carries the idea of separation. That because of our sin... What we deserve is to be separated from a holy, living God forever. Our sin separates us from God. And so as the dead are raised up, anyone who has never gone to Jesus Christ for that free gift of salvation, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God says, I want everyone to go to heaven, so I paid the price for them. You don't have to go do hula hoop contest. You don't have to go climb a mountain. You don't have to give a million dollars. You don't have to go visit holy sites. You don't have to do a certain amount of Hail Marys. The only thing that is required for you to have your sins forgiven is to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for you. He died as you. Will you just allow him to pay the price? And you know what a gift is. We're near the Christmas season. You know what a gift is. If I was to hand you a gift. What must you do to make it yours? Nothing. Nothing. You just took it right? Nope. Did you have to pay me money for it? Nope. Did you have to mow my lawn? Nope. You didn't even have to be nice to me. The only thing that is required to go to heaven. Is to accept the gift. To go to heaven you don't have to go to church. To go to heaven, you don't have to pay money to the church. To go to heaven, you don't have to help little ladies cross the street. Now, all those things are good things and things that we should do, but none of those things will get us to heaven. You cannot live a good enough life to go to heaven. Someone will say, well, I live like a good person. I try really hard. Well, let's put it this way. Let's say that you live a really good life. Let's say that I live a really great life and that I only sin three times a day. Let's say that in one day, I tell a little white lie, I get mad at my wife, and I break the speed limit. Now, if that's all I did in one day for every day, that's living a great life. I'm ashamed to say that I'm a pastor of a church, and I don't even think I live that well. But let's just say, for illustration's sake, I only sin three times a day. Do you know at the end of one year, I would have racked up one thousand sins just sinning three times a day at the end of 20 years only sinning three times a day that is 20,000 sins 
At the age 50, 50,000 sins. Now, if you stood before God and you died at age 50, living, sinning only three times a day, having 50,000 sins to your account, would you look that good anymore? Absolutely not. You understand that in order to go to heaven on our own, you must sin nothing. Never have sinned. But the Bible's clear to point out that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is nothing you could do to make yourself perfect. You cannot erase those errors that you have done. You cannot erase the sins that you have committed. Your only hope is that Jesus paid the price for you. And you accept that gift that God has given to you. That he's held you out the gift and he said it's yours. Take it. Open it up. Now is the time. You know still talking about Christmas since it's right around the corner. Let's say that someone gave you a gift. And it's wrapped up nice and neat. And you know what's in it. You know that it's expensive. You know the people labor to give it to you. And they give you the gift and say here's this gift. And you say man I know what's in it. And I, I, I can't wait to open it up. However I don't feel like I'm deserving of this gift. So you know what. I'm going to wait till I'm more deserving of it. Let's wait till the beginning of the year. Is that what someone who gave you that present, is that what they want is for you to wait? What if they say, you know what? I know what's in here. This is very important. How about this? I go mow your lawn for all of spring. And when spring's over, maybe I'll feel like I've deserved this. Is that what the people want? No, if they give you a gift, you know what they want? They want you to tear open, grab it. It's yours. They want to see you open it up. Well, when Jesus Christ is handing someone the gift, He doesn't want you to open up later. He wants you to take that gift now. And that gift is available for anyone. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty we owe God. For the wages of sin is death. That if you call upon Jesus and you accept him as your savior. He promised you and God can't lie. That he would save you. He would save you from that penalty you owed him. And all it is simple is for you to accept the gift. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Just ask him for it. Say God I, I allow you to pay that punishment. Now let me even remind you. That a prayer doesn't save you. It is Jesus that saves you. All you do when you pray is you're giving him permission. To pay that price for you. It's just that easy. He's given that gift. He's given heaven away. He's already done the work. He just wants you to accept it. But as we come to the white throne judgment, we see the dead, both small and great. These are all the people who have never accepted Jesus as their Savior. Whether they're a great sinner or a small sinner, they're standing before God. You know who's going to be at that judgment seat? You know who's going to be there? Adolf Hitler is going to be out there. If he never accepted Jesus as his Savior, Adolf Hitler is there. You know who's going to be there? Joseph Stalin. If he never accepted Jesus as a Savior, that's who is going to be there. You know who's going to be there? Grandma Betty, if she never accepted Jesus as a Savior. You say, this is awful. I know this is horrible. This is one of the hardest things to preach because it is so awful. If I had the choice of not believing something in the Bible, this is what I would choose not to believe. But because the Bible says it, I have to believe it. The Bible says there's an awful place called hell. And all that is required for someone to go to that awful place is for them to be a sinner and never accept Jesus to be their Savior. It doesn't matter how good they are. There are some very good people who are religious, 
who give lots of money, who give their time, but they never accepted Jesus to be their only Savior. They may be saying, I trust, I believe Jesus, but if I do good enough works, I'll get to heaven. No, you have to trust Jesus in Jesus alone. It is only him. Someone may say, well, I'm trusting Jesus and a baptism. No, a baptism doesn't save you. It's just a picture. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that saves you. Well, I'm going to heaven because I own a Bible. A Bible doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Well, I'm going to heaven because I'm Baptist, Catholics, Methodist, Mormon. Uh, it doesn't matter what you are. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that saves. It is him that saves. That is your only hope. That is the only thing. And the only requirement for someone not to go to hell is for them not to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior for forgiveness of sins. And so the Bible says at the great white throne that we see those stand before him, whether they're small or great. This throne is not for all the awful sinners. It is also for the quote-unquote good sinners as well. As long as they never accepted Jesus as their Savior, they're going to stand before this throne and they're going to be sentenced by God. Notice as the Bible goes on. In the book of Revelation chapter 20. Notice with me in verse number 12 again. And I saw the dead. Small and great stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open. Which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things. Which were written in, their, in the books. According to their works. What we see is a second thing here. Not only do we see the dead standing before God, but we also see the books were open. The books were open. Notice as it says books and it has it in the plural. And the books were open. The reason why is because the Bible lists three specific books mentioned throughout scripture. Uh, the book of Daniel chapter 7 uh, verses 9 through 11 speaks about the books of life. It talks about the Lamb's book of life. Let me describe these books. There are three specific books that are mentioned in the Bible that we are judged for. The first book is the book of life. The book of life. Now what happens is that as soon as someone is conceived, their name is written down in the book of life. And so they're already written down in that book of life. And if they live their life and never accept Jesus as their Savior and come to the place where they understand sin and the consequences of it, the Bible says, unfortunately, their name is blotted out. Now, the word blot has kind of changed a little bit. We have the idea that we would take a pen and cross it out. But the way that they would blot something out is that they would take a piece, um, um, a cloth with, that was wet, and they would rub it out and kind of like erasing it, like their name was never there. And so anyone who lived their life, they were a sinner. They understood that they were a sinner. And they never accepted Jesus as their Savior. Their name would be blotted out. Now, let me also put a qualifier here. That if a child lives his life, he's conceived, his name's written down. But unfortunately, something happens to that child, and he never reaches the point where he understands sin. His name is not blotted out. He is considered safe with the Lord. He is not necessarily saved, but he is safe with the Lord. His name's still written down. That child will still go to heaven. For example, a little child who's eight days old, do they understand sin and the consequences of sin? No. So they would be safe with the Lord. Their name would still be written down in the book of life. They would be safe with the Lord. 
they would, they would not be at this judgment seat. They would automatically go to heaven. They'd be with the Lord. Their name is written in the book of life. The second book is the book of works. And this is a detailed account of every sin you've ever committed. How would you like to see that book? And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, then your name is blotted out of the book of life. But instead, you have to be judged according to your works. And your works detail that you are a sinner. And you will be judged based off of you being a sinner. And that's what these folks here in the book of Revelation chapter 20 are judged by. They are judged by their works. Let me show you this. Notice with me in verse number 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book which opened, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, notice this, according to their works. According to their works. Notice again in verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up to the the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So here we see that anyone whose name is not written down in the book of life, the Bible explains it in other passages how it's blotted out, that if you've as soon as you are conceived, your name is written down. But if you never accept Jesus and you're at the place where you understand that sin has consequences, your name is blotted out. Instead, you are judged according to your works. That is, that your sin, and now you receive the sentencing for the consequences of your sin. This is pretty horrible. So anyone who accepted Christ, it doesn't matter... If it's Grandma Dorothy, she may be the greatest cook in all the South. And her, you just don't give away her recipe for, um, for potato salad because it is the best in the world. That's not going to get her to heaven. It doesn't matter how sweet and innocent she is. As long as she's a sinner and never accepted Christ. The sad reality is that Grandma Dorothy will be there. And she will be judged according to her works. Not how good she has done, but the sins that she's committed in her life. I mentioned that there were several books. We've covered two. One is the book of life. One is the book of works. There's a third book that's mentioned in scripture. It is called the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life. And this is a very special book that is mentioned elsewhere in scripture. You know what the Lamb's book of life is? It is Jesus Christ's personal diary of every person who's ever trusted him. What a wonderful thing about that. That if you've come to the place where you trust Jesus, saying, I'm a sinner and because of my sin, I deserve separation from God. I deserve an awful place called hell. And you're my only hope. And you cry out to Jesus and he gives you that free gift. You know what happens? He writes your name in his personal diary saying he's accepted me. She's accepted me. And guess what? Your name can never be blotted out of that book the Bible says. Isn't that wonderful? It can never be erased. It can never be drawn out. It can never be crossed out. It can never be tore out. Your name's written down and it's there forever. And if your name's written down in the books, lamb, uh, books 
<laughs> the Lamb's book of life, you are saved forever. And you will not be at this judgment either. Because you've already been forgiven of all of your sins. And we've already taken time to explain the millennial kingdom. You've got to enjoy the millennial kingdom. You've got to be there for that thousand year reign of Christ. What a great privilege. But this judgment seat is not for those who are written down in the book of life. Or the Lamb's book of life. These are for those who have never accepted Jesus as their Savior. They're going to be judged according to their works. So as we explain the white throne judgment, the first thing that we understand is that we see the dead standing before them. Whether they're small or great, it doesn't matter how big or how small of a sinner they are. If they've never accepted Jesus, they will stand there to receive sentencing. We understand that they're judged according to the books. That if their name is not written down in the Lamb's book of life, if their name is not found in the book of life, they're going to be judged according to the book of works. And their sins are going to require a punishment, a payment. What is that payment? Well, that brings us to the third thing here. That we see the dead standing before God. We see the books are open. But we also see this. We see the lake of fire. The lake of fire. Notice with me in verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. That what we see here is that you're not being judged or, or tried. The Bible is very clear in the book of John chapter 3. That if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, you are condemned already. You are already guilty. You are not being judged here whether you're guilty or not. You are already found guilty. What the white throne judgment is, is the sentencing phase. You are receiving your sentence for your sins. You are already condemned. You are already found guilty. This is the sentencing. And what is the sentence? The lake of fire. You understand this is what sometimes we call hell. More properly it is called the lake of fire. But the Bible takes a lot of time to describe this awful place. You know what the Bible describes this lake of fire as? It describes it as a devouring fire in Isaiah 33 verse 14. It is a devouring fire. It is a fire that just consumes. The Bible explains in the book of Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1. That it is the bottomless pit. What do we mean by that? That when you're cast in the lake of fire. You have the sense that you're falling forever and ever and ever. There's no orientation. There's no handholds. There's no resting place. There's no place to stop. You feel like you're falling forever and ever and ever. The Bible describes this lake of fire as a place of everlasting burnings. It describes it as a furnace of fire. Matthew chapter 13 verses 41 and 42. It says it is a furnace of fire. You know... Some of the people asked Jesus during his time. He said, Jesus, what is hell like? What he did is he brought him close and went to the valley of Hinnom, which was a trash pit where you had to dump city's trash somewhere. And they would put it on fire and burn it. And because of this uh, the trash always being dumped in there, it was a place where the fire dieth not. It's a place where the worm dieth not. And so all Jesus did when the people said, what is hell like? He said, come with me. He said, look at that. The valley of Gehenna. Gehenna. That is what hell is like. A place of burning. That is what it's like. It's like a furnace of fire. 
You know, if hell was not a place of real fire, why would Jesus point and say this is what hell is like? It is a place of real burning. The Bible says in the Luke, Luke chapter 16 and verse 23, it says it's a place of torments. A place of torments. You want to know what hell is like? Hell is such a tormented place that in the, according to Luke chapter 16, a drop of water would seem like a tremendous relief because of the torments that they had. It is an awful, awful place. The Bible goes on to describe hell in another place. In the book of Revelation chapter, uh, excuse me, in Revelation 16 verse 11, it's a place where they still curse God. You understand when people go to hell, they don't get a redeemed body. They still hate God. They never accepted Christ as their Savior. They refused on this earth. And they will refuse to accept God as the ruler, as the king in hell. You understand that some people have an idea that when they go to hell, it's a place where they get a party with their friends. That is not true. You know that even Satan is not in charge of hell. God is in charge of hell. Satan is not in hell right now. Satan does not want to go to hell. Satan knows that's where he's going, but he doesn't want to go there. Satan, uh, hell was created to punish Satan and his demons. And one day that's where Satan will go. And if it's made to torture an eternal angel, how worse would it be for a human to go there? It is an awful place. And those people are not right. They will still curse God and still reject God. The Bible says in Revelation 22 verses 10 and 11, it's a place of filthiness. What do we mean by that? It's a place where they never repent, uh, Matthew 12, 32. But it's a place of filthiness. A drug addict still wants more drugs inside of hell. A drunkard still wants more, one more drink. A whoremonger still wants one more lust. You understand their, their sins are never satisfied, but they still crave it. It is a place of filthiness. It's a place where that, that, that addiction, those lusts, that sin is never satisfied, but it is still there. It doesn't go away. The Bible describes hell, that it's a place where there is no rest. Revelation 14, 11. There is no breaks. There's no sleeping. There's no unconsciousness. There are no comas. And there is no end. It is a place with no rest. Hell is an awful place. The Bible describes more about what hell is like. It says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 47, it says it is a place of everlasting punishment. Everlasting punishment. It never stops. The Bible says in the book of Jude in verse 13, it is a place of blackness, of darkness forever. Now we've already described some scenes. You know what it's like? It's like a bottomless pit. It's like you're falling forever and ever. It's a place of burnings. But the burning is so hot. The Bible scientists tell us that the hottest fire. Is actually like a black type fire. Where it doesn't cast off light. It's just producing nothing but heat. And so it's a place where you're burning. It's a place where you're falling. And can't get a handhold. It's a place where it doesn't stop. And it's a place of blackness and darkness. You can't even see your hand in front of you. 
Could you imagine how disorienting and eerie it would be that you're falling forever and you don't know which way is up. You don't know which way is down. You don't have a handhold. You can't see anything. You just feel the torture. You feel the heat. You feel the burning. It is an awful, awful place. Again, I wish that this wasn't true, but because the Bible says it, I have to believe it. This is what the Bible says. But it is an awful, awful place. The Bible goes on and describes more about hell in more passages. It says that it is a place where people will gnaw their own tongues. Revelation 16, 10. So much torture, so much pain that they will actually chew on their own tongues because of the pain that they're in. The Bible says in Matthew 25 verse 41, it is a place prepared for the devil and his angels. The Bible says in Revelation 19.20, it is a place where people are cast in alive. So people will be a living. They will have a body that will not be consumed. And they will be hurting. They will feel the pain. There is no stop. The Bible says in Revelation 14.11, is a place where the smoke of the torments ascend up forever and ever. In the book of Luke chapter 16 verse 28, we see that it is a place where we do not want our loved ones to go. The Bible explains in Luke chapter 16 that you had the rich man who died and lifted up his eyes up in torments. And the first thing he was concerned on was his brethren. He said, send somebody, go tell my brothers so that they don't go there. He wanted someone. He was a soul winner then. He wanted someone to go out and reach to them. You understand it is not a place where you're going to gather with your friends and going to have a good time without God. It is a place where you don't want to see a single person to go there. It doesn't matter how bad they've treated you. You don't want them to go to that awful place called hell. You understand there are some people who are not understanding about hell. That when someone dies that we don't agree with. We sometimes, sometimes people will celebrate that they're in hell now. We should never be glad that anyone goes to that awful place. That if anybody goes to that awful place. Doesn't matter who they are. It should cause us to weep. Because it's that awful. It is that awful. We don't want to see a single person to go there. Much less our friends, our families, our neighbors, people that we know. We don't want to see those people go to that awful place called hell. The Bible goes on and says that it is a place of murderers, liars, fearful, and the abominable. Revelation 21, 18. What does that mean? It's anyone who's ever committed a sin. That's what that place is filled like. How many lies does it take you to be a liar? One. How many thefts does it take for you to be a thief? One. You understand who's going there? Sinners who have never accepted Jesus as their Savior. Whether they're big sinners or they're small sinners, hell is filled full of people who have sinned against God and never received forgiveness of sins. The lake of fire is truly an awful place. And let me tell you, dear friend, if you've never had your sins forgiven, the greatest thing that could ever happen for you today is for us to take the Bible and to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven. Because the worst thing that could happen is for you to come to a church like this and to hear a message like this and you never accept Jesus as your Savior. Hell is an awful, awful place. 
And maybe you say, well, I'm a church member, but I've never accepted Christ. Let me tell you, today's the day. You say, preacher, I, I, I've been religious all of my life, but I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. Today's the day. You said, I don't know if my sins are forgiven. Today is the day. This is something you don't want to mess around with. This is something you don't want to hope for or guess. You want to know for sure that your sins are forgiven. And that you wouldn't go to that awful place. You understand that the greatest thing that could happen for someone today is if they didn't know for sure that before they walked out of the doors that they could say, I know from the Bible that I'm going to heaven and why. And it'd be our great privilege to show you. But there's one last thing I want to mention dealing with the white throne judgment. And that is the witnesses of this judgment. The witnesses of this judgment. The Bible indicates in the passage in the context that we're all going to be there to witness the binding of Satan as he is cast into the lake of fire. Immediately after Satan is cast into the lake of fire, that is the white throne judgment. And that means that we who've accepted Jesus as our Savior, we will be there to be a witness. What does this mean? That means we will be there as people are lined up to stand before God and receive the sentencing. And we know that there are millions of people and some of them will be just faceless, unrecognizable people until we see that one person. I know that person. I went to high school with them. I said I would be best friends forever. And they're walking down. Maybe you catch their eye. Maybe they look at you and say, I know that I'm over here and you're over there. But why didn't you tell me? I didn't have to be over here. I could have been saved with you. Why didn't you tell me? And we're going to watch as people we know, whether it was the gas station clerk, whether it was next door neighbor, maybe it was a parent, a brother, sister, uncle, who never accepted Christ. And we are going to witness them stand before God. We're going to witness them be sentenced and we're going to be witness them to be cast into that awful place called hell. This is an awful, awful thing. And it's not something we rejoice in. But we're going to watch that. And again, the haunting idea that maybe they catch the eye and say, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? The Bible gives a principle several times throughout the Bible about bloody hands. And some people don't know exactly what it means. But let me tell you, if you don't mind, my opinion of what it means, bloody hands. The Bible says that if we forbear to warn them, that the Bible says that their blood is going to be on our hands. It is my personal belief that we'll realize that at this point in time, when they're being sentenced, we'll realize that we could have told them and we should have told them. And we're going to feel the responsibility of them being sentenced. I could have told them. I believe that's then that we'll realize that we had a responsibility to tell others and we failed to do so. People that we loved, people that we knew, people that we were associated with, and we failed to tell them. And now they're being sentenced to hell. They're being sentenced to hell because of their own sin and because they didn't accept Jesus as their Savior. But we didn't do anything to tell them. We didn't pray for them. We didn't try to get in their way. We didn't try to do, say come to church. We didn't do anything to bring them in. You said preacher this is awful. I know it's so awful. It is horrible. And I wish that was the worst part. But it's not. 
You know, the Bible talks about eternity future in the next chapter. And one of the things that it says is that he will dry all of the tears. Why does he have to dry all the tears? There's going to be a lot of tears on that day. When we see our loved ones, people we're associated with, friends and neighbors, be sentenced to an awful place called hell. And we didn't warn them. We didn't pass out a track. We didn't invite them. We didn't do anything. We didn't pray for them. And we let them totter their doom. Bloody hands. But let me tell you one aspect that probably is even worse. And it's found in the book of Isaiah 65. If you would like to turn with me, you can. If not, that's fine. I'm just going to read this one verse. But the book of Isaiah 65. The book of Isaiah 65. And it says something to me made as a rejoicing point for us. But it has also another connotation. Notice with me in Isaiah 65 and verse 17. Isaiah 65 and verse 17. It says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. What the Bible says is that in eternity future, for those of us who accepted Jesus as our Savior, we will no longer remember this past earth. We'll no longer remember the things that happened. We'll no longer remember the people that we left behind. You know what that means? Is that there's going to be people in hell who never accepted Jesus as their Savior, and they'll no longer be remembered. We won't remember them anymore. They will be a forgotten people. To me, that's almost one of the worst aspects of hell. Is not only you being tortured day and night, no end, but no one will even remember that you're there. Because God will wipe the memories clear. And that makes sense on the heaven end, because how many of us could really rejoice knowing that our loved ones were sentenced to that awful place and have that in our mind? God takes that away from us in eternity future. You understand this is an awful thing. If you could forgive the personal illustration, but just to explain how real this is to me. That as a young child, one of the school assignments that we had that most kids do is you had to write a paper on the person that you respected the most. And at that young of age, um, most kids put their mom and their dad. But me, I put my grandfather. My grandfather was someone I really respected. My grandfather was a master sergeant during World War II. And he fought in the Battle of the Bulge. And if you know World War II, you know that was a pretty awful battle. My grandfather had some stories about Germans and the war and the things that went on. And he came back with a trunk full of memorabilia and stuff that he received from that, that war to end wars. And I wrote a paper about how much I respected my grandfather. But one problem about my grandfather is that he never accepted Jesus as his savior. He refused to get married in a church. And he says, I refuse to get buried in a church. I don't want to have nothing to do with church. I remember that at the end of his life, he got sick and was put into a retirement home. And they said, he's only got days to live. In fact, uh, we had I witnessed to him. I witnessed to him. And we prayed that when he got into a coma that he would awake one last time. And that someone could go take the Bible and present to him one last time how he could be forgiven of his sins. Wouldn't you know that God answered the prayer? He woke up from the coma one last time just for a moment. And so, unfortunately, 
he still did not accept Jesus as his Savior. And the awful truth is you want to know where my grandfather is right now. This man that I once wrote a paper on, how much I respected him. He's in an awful place called hell. And it's not a fun thing. It's not something I'm bragging on. It's a heartbreaking thing. Because he never accepted Jesus as his Savior. And he's going to be sentenced to the lake of fire forever. But to me, even the worst thing is that one day, this man that I wrote a paper on, of the person I most respected the most, I won't even remember him in eternity future. It will be put aside. I won't remember the former things in my mind. You understand? This is life and death. Everyone you meet is either going to heaven or going to hell. Everyone you meet, every house that you pass has people in it who's going to heaven or is going to hell. And they need to know that Jesus saves. You understand it is the simplest thing in the world that Jesus has already done the work. He's already paid the price. All they have to do is accept the free gift that he gave to them. Full, free, and forever. Someone says, well, preacher, you're just trying to stir emotions. You're just trying to, to uh, dramatize things. No, I'm trying to say with a broken heart that hell is a real place. And real people are going there. And they don't have to. So first of all, dear friend, are you 100% sure from the Bible that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to the wonderful place called heaven? Second of all, dear friend, do you know someone who's not sure? Can you go warn them? Can you go tell them? Can you plead for them? Can you pray for them? Hell is a real place and real people go there. Can you stop them? Can you love on them? Can you tell them? Can you do something to tell them the truth? That Jesus saves. That Jesus saves. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.